MMA fans, listen in as Justin and I have two conversations about UFC 300. We make a few predictions, and we look ahead at what might be the big super fight at that particular event. Enjoy the Friday Fight Show. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Okay, let's talk a little UFC 300. Darn tootin'. Uh, okay, so Dana White has announced three fights for UFC 300 thus far. Obviously, more to come, and we love that. Are you sort of excited for this, or which one are you concerned about? Like, what, what do you have going for you? Okay, so one of the fights they announced was Aljamain Sterling versus Calvin Cater. At Aljamain's featherweight debut. No thanks. But, what? But it's it's Aljo's featherweight debut. It doesn't matter. It's, it, it's like Calvin Cater has been on a serious decline. Of course. So, like, Aljamain's had one loss in how long? A uh, couple of years, no. It's 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 quite a while. It's been a long time. I think it was in like a couple year couple year run there, right? So it almost feels like this fight, like like I don't know, man. Like okay, let me look at the last few fights that Gators had. So he lost to Arnold Allen most recently. And Before that, he lost to Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett. Yeah, he's got a win over Giga Chikadze, but Giga Chikadze only fights like once every three years. Then he had a loss to Holloway. His last real win was Danny Gay. In 2020. Mm-hmm. Come on. I, I don't know where the UFC officially ranks him, but it, it had better not be in the top 10. I don't think it is. And I don't know. It's just it's just not an exciting fight to me. It really isn't. Like, if Aljamain wins, okay. If Calvin Cater wins, okay. But neither win is, is that exciting. Well, so here's my thing. They're going to give Aljo to Calvin Cater, who is ranked seventh in the flyweight division. Shouldn't be. <laughs> so he's he's seventh. So in the top 10, which means if Aljo beats him or when he beats him, he'll get smushed somewhere in between seven and eight. And then he's going to fight somebody in the top five, which in this case could be Ilya Tapora, Brian Ortega, Yari Rodriguez, I guess Arnold Allen, maybe Max. Actually, you know what? It'll be Max Holloway. It'll be past champion versus past champion. Unless, unless they want to keep them away from each other. Which I would love a Max Holloway, Aljamain Sterling fight. Are you kidding me? I would lose my marble. That that would be that should headline UFC like 307. I'm calling like, it. Like that would be a cool fight. Like that's a fight that makes sense to me. This just fight just doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I look at it from both sides, right? So let's say Aljamain wins. Yeah. So you have a Aljamain won against a guy who's lost three of his last four. Mm-hmm. All right. So what? And then if Calvin Cater wins, it's Calvin Cater won. Yep. Against a Bantamweight. Correct. So it it doesn't 
it doesn't achieve anything. That that's my that's my issue with that fight. But enough of that. That's just upsetting me. So so now we got Yuri Prohashka versus Alexander Rakic, which was announced. That fight I like. I'm all for that fight. Yeah, that's a banger. I mean, that one actually gets me less excited than the other one, than Aljo. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It's just this fight has has a meaning, man. Like if, if Rakic wins, you're looking at a title shot. If Prohashka wins, he further proves that he deserved to have the belt when he did, and he's got maybe one more fight before he can go for it again. I mean, yes. Sure. I don't know. Just Yuri wasn't impressive since his injury, and I don't know if he uh, if he can bounce, if he can do what he can do. I'm actually genuinely kind of terrified for him. Did he rest? Did he come back too early? Like, what's the deal? We'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I think he's a warrior. I, I, I think he's fine. Do you? I do. I do. The, the, the fight I'm actually most interested in is Bo Nickel versus Cody Brundage. And that's just because I'm a Bo Nickel fan. Oh, Bo Nickel's so fun. <laughs> I, I just listened to his interview with uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's only been striking for two years. Oh, yeah, man. He, he, just, he only just switched to MMA. Yeah, but like most people, even if they're doing wrestling, apparently would do some type of striking. He was like, nah. But now he's like pure, not pure striking, but he apparently he uh, he battle, bounces the two of them, I guess, pretty well. Like he'll go back and forth between striking and wrestling. And he's like, and Joe Rogan was saying too, he's like, if you have wrestling as like a, your base, and he's like, no one can really take you down. Like they're going to shoot and they're just going to expose themselves to you. And then now that you're good on your like hands, like standing game, he's like, you're a bit of a, Bit of a double threat there. I mean, that's that's Joe giving him full credit for what he's achieved as a wrestler, but that isn't necessarily the case. No, I don't think it is either. Right? This whole you're the best wrestler so you can't get taken down is complete bullshit because George St. Pierre was not a wrestler. He didn't yeah. wrestle. Mm-hmm. And he took wrestlers down at will. But GSP is also different. Like- well, no, he's, he's very different. But what I'm saying is that wrestling in... MMA is is not the same as traditional wrestling. There are things you can do in MMA that you can't do in traditional wrestling that make the possibility of a takedown easier if you are a good mixed martial artist. Mm -hmm. So just because Bo Nichols is the best wrestler doesn't necessarily mean he can't be taken down. I I think what's most impressive with Bo Nichols is that he has something that's hard to teach, which is knockout power. Bo Nichols does have knockout power. He's deceptively strong yeah so that that's what makes him very dangerous the the fact that he can threaten you with a takedown and you're so aware of his wrestling credentials that you don't want to get taken down it it just it it tempts his opponents to drop their hands right Mm. if he even you know just level changes a little bit just squats (laughs) <laughs> and and looks like he's about to go for a uh, like like shoot for a takedown. There's a very good chance his opponents will drop their hands and he comes over with an overhand right and just puts you to sleep. So I think that's what make, makes Bo Nickel such an interesting prospect. And I think if he if he spoke more, if he was a little more you know demanding of the UFC, that he'd be much higher up on cards already. Yeah, I just it just feels to me like he he's not in a rush. He knows what he's capable of and he doesn't feel like his time's running out. So he's like, I'll just go through the motions until I get to where I want to be. Like, I, I really don't think some mixed martial artists are in a rush, right? They, they want that fast track to a title as quickly as possible because they don't know how 
how long they have, or whether or not they match up well with everyone. But I think Bo feels like he matches up well with anyone. So here's the thing about Bo. A couple of fun facts, actually. Again, from the podcast, if you haven't listened to it, I'll just kind of give you a quick little fun fact. Uh, he actually has never been hit inside of uh, his professional career of MMA. Even okay. where, where he fought Jamie Pickett, yeah, it went to like first round, two minutes, 54 seconds. Most of that was groundwork, and he got the triangle. But he's like his last fight with uh, Woodburn, just like the guy lightly slapped him in the face, basically, on the because mm-hmm. it was a TKO for punches. So my thing with Bo is I don't know how he's going to be when he gets rocked for the first time. And it's coming eventually. So yeah, he has great submission, great ground game. Like three of his wins are submissions. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's he's proper taking his time. Like he wants to develop first. He's not in a rush. And I feel like that's what makes him scary. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I also think, unlike some of the fighters that talk a lot and are in a rush, I think he's also very aware that the UFC, they're not in the position to protect protect him. I don't think they're going to give him an easy path to the title. No. Some fighters get that. Like Sean O'Malley is a good example. He got a very easy path to the title. And now that he has the title, I mean, his first opponent, I don't think he deserves a a title shot, but he's getting it because they have a little bit of history. Well, I mean, UFC also cares about narrative, too. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, that's why that's why Bilal Muhammad's being screwed the whole time, because Bilal, has, he's good, but he has no beef with anybody. Yeah, and, and he's not much of a talker, either. No. Even his voice works against him. He sounds like an accountant. He sounds like an accountant. Seriously, he's not He's not a very exciting guy. You ever hear him in commentary? It's like dull, man. No, I get it. You're right. But the thing is, so let's face it. Bilal deserves a title shot against Leon Edwards. But I think it's going to be Gilbert Burns against Leon. And that sucks. That was completely random. But like, Bo Nickel's not going to have an easy way, but I think he likes it that way. And then I feel like Bilal's getting screwed. And some people are getting fed and i don't know how the ufc decides this but they just do it's all about who will make them the most money yeah so i think first of all ufc's they've got two problems Mm. first problem is you don't have too many fighters that demand a lot of attention as champions right now yeah okay so that's their first problem their second problem is the competition is just keeps getting better, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have, like I'm saying, it, you're going to have a big year in 2024 at the PFL. You're going to have a big year at a one FC, and this is starting to to eat into the UFC. So what do they have to do? They have to create champions that demand attention. So either you find someone who already mm-hmm. does it and you elevate them to champion. Or you have someone as champion that you can build some momentum on. And one of the ways to build momentum is make sure they keep winning. Yes. Right? Yes, you are correct. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one that didn't think Colby Covington had a chance against Leon Edwards. There's a number of people out there that felt the same way that I did. But they had Colby in there because they know he'll sell the story, he'll get attention, and it'll just be another win for Leon. Well, and it was just that too. And furthermore, he was just like, well, I mean, it's because I 
am pro Trump. That's why the uh, judges didn't score it my way. <laughs> and it's like, no, dude. I'm sure that's literally just a uh, a ploy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, no, dude. You you got owned all those rounds. <laughs> yeah, it was like a sparring session for Leon. It was completely outclassed. It was crazy. But I mean, I don't know. So far from what they've announced for UFC 300, it's not it's not as exciting as you would hope. I've yeah, seen I've seen some not. fights announced for events happening before UFC 300 that have me way more hyped than UFC 300. I get it, and I don't know why this is like Dana said. It's supposed to be a barn burner, like it's supposed to be amazing. I think they're waiting on Conor McGregor. I don't know. Now on to the second conversation. I just think Whaley Zhang's a much fighter now than she was before the Thug Rose fight. You're right. She definitely is. She's more calculated too. I feel like not to say she was reckless before, because I don't know if any true martial artist like herself is reckless, but she, it's almost like she fights with the purpose now. And like, it's like, she, she's trying to not get over that, but kind of put it behind her as far as she can. See, I, I think it was, it's overconfidence. Okay. It's overconfidence. And I, I've seen it in a number of fighters over the years where you just get to a point where you think to yourself, no one's good enough to face me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you start to abandon defense because you never feel in danger when you're in the cage. That makes sense. Right? And then Thug Rose knocked her ass out and then she realized, wait a minute, I'm I'm in danger against anyone. Really? So when mm-hmm. they come back, it becomes a more important part of their their game. It really rounds them out because up until that moment, you start to see them just get more offensive, more offensive, more offensive, and defense becomes a non-issue. Right. Right, and there's a few cases in history, specifically in UFC history, where mm-hmm. I've seen that. And I think, like I said, like Whaley Zhang, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to her. Is the fact that she got knocked out by Thug Rose, but I think it was one of the worst things that ever happened to GSP when he got knocked out by Matt Sarah. I mean, well, okay, hold on a second. When he got Mac- knocked out by Matt Sarah, basically after that, he he like GSP went on the record to be like, I hired a therapist. I couldn't get over this, right? Where he used to carry on a brick. And then one day he like had enough of carry on this brick, which is every time he thought of Matt Sarah, he just eventually tossed it off a bridge and was like, this is so much better. And he stopped thinking about that. And then he came back and he just became this dominant person. But the reason he was so dominant is because defense became a more important part of his game. Yes. But there are a lot of sort of GSP detractors who always look at his, his legacy and say, oh, you know what? The last half of his career most of his fights went to decision he wasn't going for finishes and a hundred percent it was because of what happened with Matt Sarah he just refused to put himself in danger at any point in any fight if it happened it was a brief you know mental mistake by him but he he found ways to weather the storm and would eventually get a decision win if that was what was necessary Mm -hmm. what I really liked about the way he went out in the end was when he came back to fight Bisping for the middleweight championship. And he yep. said, I'm a different fighter. I'm a better fighter. I'm a more dangerous fighter and don't expect to see this go the distance. And it was true. Mm-hmm. It was true. He still had the defensive chops that he had developed because of the Matt Sarah fight, but he went back to being that very aggressive 
very dangerous fighter that he was before that when he would just overwhelm opponents. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did at Bisping. And then I, I think that's almost like proven to himself that I am the complete fighter now. I'm as dangerous as I was in the beginning and I'm as smart and savvy as I, I was at the end. And I I think that kind of kind of erases what the detractors believe, but you're you're always going to have them. But I'd say he's one of those examples. And then another example, and it's unfortunate that he never got a chance at a a revenge fight, but I would say is Jose Aldo with what happened with Conor McGregor. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. He got knocked out and it was... Quick, right? He got... <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. What, 10 seconds? 12 seconds or something? So he got knocked out in a way that the opponent predicted. Like, that is... That's psychological warfare at its finest. Yeah, and it was it was crazy. It was, like, so weird, too, because it could have been a double knockout. Mm-hmm. Because they clocked each other at the same time. It's just his shot was a... Little bit glancing versus Connors, which was right on the button. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that went into that. Yes, the psychological game was a big part of it, right? Connor was talking all kinds of shit leading up to that fight. And mm-hmm. Jose was feeling extremely disrespected because you're talking about a guy who, at the time, a lot of people were saying was like the best fighter in MMA. Right. <laughs> right? Like talking like a 30, 30 fight win streak or something like that, something ridiculous. Yes, And he was at that point where he just rolled over opponents. He just wrecked people, methodically just mm-hmm. picked them apart and destroyed them. And then he finds himself in a situation where it's like, this guy is going to talk all this shit about me and he hasn't looked at what I've done. Let's go. And, you know, for only a second, he doesn't think defense and he gets put to, <laughs> he gets put to sleep. But since then, different fighter. Yeah, absolutely KO'd. Right different fighter now he's past his prime but every time he steps in the cage now you can see it he's much more he goes back to being methodical he's much more defensive he isn't nearly as aggressive as he used to be right it just every now and then you'll get fighters who get so overconfident that they forget about defense they forget about the very first rule of any fight which is protect yourself at all times yeah that's and we've seen it a lot with fighters too the only one i didn't see it with <clears throat> after their glaring knockout was fedor Emelianenko. Yeah. You know what's funny, though, is that you, nobody, could, nobody could figure out Fedor. That guy is just strange. <laughs> if he won, it was by luck and a it little was, skill. Well, he's, yeah, he's got the skill. He's got the skill and the power. But it's just – he's just such a – like, I don't know. He, he has no emotion. Mm-hmm. He's just like a robot in there. And he seems to be enjoying himself, win or lose. Doesn't matter. You know, Fedor yeah. was a different animal, man. Fedor was, especially at his prime, and he didn't deserve that first loss in that uh, in Ryzen fight, I think it was. Was it Ryzen? Maybe it was Ryzen. Where he got the hit in the face with an elbow by accident, yeah, which was I, illegal. I can't, remember, I can't remember where it was. Yeah, it was his first loss, and he was like, okay. Then he went on like a 26-fight win streak. So, <laughs> Yeah, Fedor, Fedor was special. Yeah, he was great, though. But, I mean, he's he's one... So it's sad because I got into him literally the second last fight of his career. And I saw him knock out, I can't remember his name, that it was in Russia. It was a dude who was like number two in Bellator. I know, I know. Was it, was it Karatov? <clears throat> no, it was American, some Johnson dude or something. Oh, Anthony Rumble Johnson? No, 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 some white dude. Oh my God. Tim Johnson? Maybe, sure. <laughs> uh, some dude. I saw that fight and then... I saw him against Ryan Bader for the title, and that was that was hard to watch. 
Yeah, but you're talking about that's two different generations of a mixed martial artist, right? The, the game has yeah, really changed yeah. since then. I, I expected Bader to beat him. Like you're at the end of his career, and it, like I said, it's a completely different fighting game now. Mm-hmm. Right? It's far more technical. It, honestly, the technical aspects of mixed martial arts are great, but to a certain extent, it does take away from some of the the spectacle that it had in the beginning. I agree. Some fights are a little too technical, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I guess it, there's different levels at different weight classes. You know, I find at heavyweight, you still get some just vicious brawls. Right. Right. Heavyweight is where a guy can step in the cage and not have much technical ability and still get his hand raised at the end. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. That happens in heavyweight. Light heavyweight is almost like the more technical heavyweight. <laughs> right like that's the light heavyweights yeah. i find are a little more technically sound than the heavyweights because they're just a little more mobile mm-hmm. you know it's it's fun. i always kind of laugh whoever decided i mean it goes back to boxing obviously but whoever decided to name these weight classes the way they are like light heavyweight you think light heavyweight the name of it sounds like really huge guys right these guys sound huge yeah. light heavyweights but it's 205 205 is not that big. <laughs> no. Right? It's not. I used to walk around at 205 all the time. Now, granted, you, these guys don't walk around at 205. No, they <laughs> right? don't. They walk around at like, you know, 235, 240, which is a decent size, but it's still, they're fighting at 205. Like, it's not it's not that big. No. My you buddy's know? 205 right now, and he's complaining about it. And I'm like, I'm shorter than you, you by a bit. But I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I can't see you versus John Jones. Yeah, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's it's kind of a misnomer to me. Yes, they're big, but when you think two hundred five, it's like you know, shit, man. Half my friends are are, are heavier than that, right? So yeah. it, it's not as big as you may think. It's just the you got to remember the way it's filmed. These guys are athletic builds. They look huge, but when you actually get to stand beside them, you realize they're not as big as you may think, right? And then it just goes down from there. But I think the further you go down, the more skill that's required until you reach about, well, until you get to the very light, into the very lightweights. Okay. Once you're down there, it's, I think it's more about strength and conditioning and stamina than it is mm-hmm. about actual martial arts skill. Yes, I would, I would agree because there's not much knockout power in that regard. Correct. There's a few guys that have it. There's exceptions to the rule, of course. But I, yep. I think, like, I just think strength and conditioning and stamina, it's far more important at the lower weight classes than it is at the higher weight classes. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. There definitely is skills required more for the lighter individuals, which, I mean, it kind of makes sense in all sports in general. Like when you're looking at soccer, for instance, mm-hmm. like the shorter guys technically have to be way more tactical than the bigger people who can just kind of shove people around yeah but then also speaking of the little guys guess what fight was announced for 300 what fight cody garbrandt versus davison and figueredo garbrandt versus figueredo yeah now wait a minute garbrandt's <laughs> fighting garbrandt's fighting at he's fighting at bantamweight right 135 yep yeah is this fight gonna be at bantamweight yeah, 135. Okay. That's actually a cool fight. Mm-hmm. That's a cool fight, man, because both guys like to knock guys out. That's like that's what they're about. Yeah. 
Oh man, I uh, <laughs> I think I think I'd give the edge to Figueredo because he hasn't taken as much damage as Garbrandt. Mm. Yes, I feel like Figgy's going to take it, but not even by knockout. It's going to be like submission or some shit. It's going to be weird. I I think it's more likely more likely a submission. I agree with you there. But Garbrandt, man, he's he's looked good lately, eh? Mm-hmm. He's looked he good. He has. Hold on a second. Put a pin in that for a real quick second here. I just want to double check his knockout. last His last fight. fight was a knockout. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if it was in the first or the third round. It was first round. Yeah. Looking deadly. And what his last three fights, who is he, who's he fought and how do you win? His last three fights. Um, so he beat Trevin Jones decision. Okay. Uh, that was the second last fight. His last, last fight was against Brian Kelleher. That was first round TKO. Yeah. That's a tough and then opponent. his last suit. Yep. He lost all of 2021 too. Yeah. But so basically what I'm saying is his last loss was to Kaikara France, which is a, you know, respectable opponent to lose to. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best to lose to, so I'd take that loss any day of the week. And that was at the end of a string of losses where people figured he was done. Mm-hmm. But his last time out, he looked phenomenal, man. He did. It looked like a different person. Right? So I, the thing I'll say about Garbrandt is that he's just as dangerous now as he was when he, like, you know, won the belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just as dangerous. He's just He just doesn't have the... I don't know, like, like he's just taking too much damage, man. Like, I, I just don't think he can go the distance in a, like a, a championship type fight, right? A main event, a five round fight. I just, I just don't see him lasting. So for Garbrandt to win, he has to knock guys out. So the thing with Garbrandt is his record is a bit sus. So he's a, ele- he's fourteen and five, but five, but five losses came so quickly. He had three in a row, two to TJ Dillashaw. Then one to Pedro Munez. Then he won against uh, Asensio and lost to Rob Font in, in Kaikar France. Like, these are good companies to lose to. Oh, yeah. But it's like, is he just the gatekeeper for top five? Well, he doesn't want to be. He doesn't <laughs> want to be. He, he's hell bent on getting back to a title shot. Okay. Right? But like... It's just like, this is a, it's a, like, this is a very good matchup. It's like, kudos to the UFC matchmakers on this one. I don't know. I feel like it's going to go. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be intense. I <clears throat> I can see Figgy taking it, but also Cody Garbrandt is naturally heavier. Yeah. And it's going to be who can slap on either a submission or a clean hit first. Yeah. I mean, it's. I know exactly why they're doing it, right? If Figueredo wins against Garbrandt, they can say, oh, look, he beat a former champion. Do you give him a title shot then, or do you maybe have him fight one more person and give him a title shot? But the idea is to get him to that title shot, right? Yeah. And I think it was the best move ever for Davison to move up. I mean, hindsight, right? I, even though I picked him to win his first fight when he moved up, if he didn't, people would have been criticizing him like crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> but But he won it, and he won it in very good-looking fashion. Right, like he, he, it was the Figueroa we expected to see. Yes, and it's such a smart move because really he was done at flyweight. Mm-hmm. Right, like how many times you want to watch him fight Brandon Moreno? Do, do you really want? Do you really care if he fights Pantoja? Right, like you know, I mean, having all those guys at bantamweight ahead of him is just money in the bank for Figueroa. It, it is. You are correct. Yeah, no, you're right. You're 
I didn't think of it like that. And especially with Davison Figueroa, kind of, he's also his personality too outside of the ring. Yeah. Would definitely help with his rise in this case. I mean, especially, can you imagine Figueroa versus like Sean O'Malley? Awesome. Right. Now imagine that in Brazil. That's right, man. That's right. People will go crazy. Oh, because like even him versus Moreno, like that was a good quadigy. <laughs> yeah, they're great Whatever. fights. They're great fights. So good. <laughs> right? They're like, amazing fights. Oh, I love each and other. Oh, such a good time. Whatever. Regardless. Whatever. Now Dana hinted at they're gonna there's gonna be a super fight at UFC three hundred, which is not, you know, something they haven't done in quite a long time. Yeah. Any speculation there? Who might be well, in the super fight? What is an MMA super fight to you? Well, I, I when I think super fight, I think about the original super fights they used to do where they'd bring in like two either current greats or former greats mm. to either settle a score that they've had for a while or to face each other for the first time. Okay. So when you look at the UFC roster, I mean, are there any guys that you think have a score to settle I don't really I don't I can't see it either right I, I, I don't think there's any scores to settle so instead you got to look at two guys who are very popular who haven't faced each other mm. in any weight class too I immediately jumped to heavyweight do you jump to heavyweight in my mind but I'm like who uh Pereira versus Aspinall that's light heavyweight. Unless Pereira moves up. He's not moving up. He's talked about it. He's talked about having three titles. Oh, could you imagine? Right? Like that's that would be a super fight, right? That, that would be pretty crazy. <laughs> right? That would that, that'd be the de- yeah. right? That's a possibility. Oh, that'd be the definition of a super fight. Right? Because they don't have any opponents for Aspinall. Uh, okay. Right? They got no opponents for Aspinall. Yeah. Because John Jones says, I'm not going to fight him. And then they don't really have John an opponent. John Jones is also fucking injured. Yeah, and they don't really have an opponent for Pereira right now. Right? Nothing's set on Pereira. <clears throat> so, so that's a possibility. That's something they could do. So I was watching a video about this earlier today, about the whole Tom Aspinall situation. So this poor guy can't put any killers or any former champions on his resume because there are no former champions. It's Stipe and John Jones. And yeah. Stipe only wants to fight John Jones. John Jones only wants to fight Stipe. John Jones <laughs> is injured. Stipe hasn't fought in like four years. Yep. So Aspinall is just hanging out there in space, being like, okay. And John Jones won't fight Aspinall because Aspinall doesn't have anybody in his resume. Yeah. Which is a bit of a, a coward's move, if you will. It is. So the the prayer fight is looking juicier now that you mention it. I didn't even didn't even know that was an option. But I can't imagine a, a heavyweight Pereira. Yeah. He's like huge. He's absolutely program. massive, man. Mm-hmm. Right? He is huge. Now, who who else? Who else do they have hanging around that hasn't faced each other? That would be an interesting matchup. Do you think anybody would come out of retirement? Potentially. Potentially. I mean, there's it's money, right? Mm-hmm. You put a big enough paycheck in front of a lot of people, and they're like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> right? Like, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. But I'm just thinking, like, I can't think of anything that would be as intriguing as that. Yeah. Right? That would be like, like, shit, man, I'm tuning in. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to miss that. I don't know. I was thinking GSP coming out of retirement. 
that'd be pretty big. Okay, but see, if GSP came out of retirement, who would mm-hmm. he face? The only opponent I think makes sense in a super fight for GSP to come out of retirement would have to come out of retirement, and that would be yeah. Khabib. I was thinking the same thing, but Khabib would never. But unless it's Khabib's protege, or one what? of his many protégés. No, nah, see, I don't think GSP would do that. Wouldn't no, be worth it for him. Wouldn't be worth yeah. it for him, right? He's like, what's not going to do with his legacy? Mm-hmm. I think I think the only person that would even intrigue him at all is is Khabib. And they're like buddies now. Yeah. <laughs> right? They're they're pretty good friends. So I, I don't know. I just don't think that could happen. I don't think it could either. But I don't know. I don't I don't even know what a good Is there is there somebody outside of the UFC they could sign? I'm thinking of like what if Ronda Rousey came back? What if Brock Lesnar came back? Ah, uh, yeah. See, that's we we forget about the whole WWE side of things. Mm-hmm. Ronda said she wants to come back and she wants to come back to face Misha Tate. Yes. So there's the old grudges thing, right? Yep. Misha Tate's back in the UFC. She's got herself a couple of wins, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is it one or two wins now since coming back? I think, it's, I think it's two. And she said, yeah, she'd be up for fighting Ronda. And I think Ronda would be up for fighting her because she'd have the confidence, right? Misha's never beaten her. Mm-hmm. Right? So that would be a super fight because you literally you bring Ronda back for the one fight. Right, and that's that's generally what super fights used to be, one fight that doesn't matter outside of anything else, just credit. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you know Pereira versus Aspinall would kind of matter because the interim <laughs> heavyweight title will be on the on the line. But you know how I feel about interim interim titles. I think they're bullshit. Right? <clears throat> they shouldn't be gold. They should be silver. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, it's 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 bullshit. And I, I like I said it before, I hate it when they introduce interim champions as ch- former champions. Yeah. Because it always confuses me. It always confuses the living shit out of me. <laughs> and in this what? corner, so and so, former middleweight champion. I'm like, what? What do you mean former middleweight champion? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, oh oh, that's right. Oh, interim. <laughs> you, you weren't actually the champion you were just holding on to the belt for a little while until the real champion came back which they kicked your ass yeah right that's that makes it even worse when that happens right because then it's like so it didn't count let's just be honest it didn't count but but it it counts on their resume right and i mean you and i aren't fighters so maybe we're just kind of Looking from the outside in, I don't know. We should ask a fighter that, like an actual like, MMA fighter. Like, what do you think of interims? Yeah. So wait, hold on. Which of those two fights would you rather? Still the prayer one. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I find it hard to pick. Okay. So I think sure, Aspinall prayer would probably be the better fight, mm-hmm. right? And almost guaranteed the better fight. Yeah. But I still think it's sort of disrespectful to Aspinall. You know, mm-hmm. like, so I think I would actually lean toward the Misha Tate Ronda Rousey fight just because it would be an interesting, entertaining fight, and when it's over, it's over. Okay, okay. You know what? I mean, I'd be down. I'd be down to see either one. I'm just a bit of a sucker for a uh, not a Hollywood story, but I would really kind of like to see that. Uh, like, put it or do it. Like, get three belts. I think that'd be dope. Mm. Now, what? What if? L- let me riddle you this. Yeah. What if they met in a catchweight? Oh, so there's nothing on it. Nothing on the line. A catchweight between Aspinall and Pereira. 
I'd actually like that better. Oh, it would? Okay. I would, yeah, because then it's not as disrespectful to Aspinall. It doesn't affect his heavyweight record, right, if he yeah. does if he does lose. If he wins, it's, you know, he took out Pereira, which is a big deal. If Pereira wins, he took on what most people would consider a heavyweight, right? <laughs> so, that, so that's a big deal. You know, it's a win-win either way. And it, either guy, if either guy loses, it doesn't hurt their legacy. So I, that I would like. I'd be cool with that. Okay. Let us know what you guys think the super fight will be before Dana White actually announces it. Hopefully, we're able to get this episode out before he does. But <laughs> if we don't, we'll find out if Justin and I were correct in our assumptions as to about what it might be. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.